Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Love your enemies. Now think about this. Who was listening to this teaching? Jewish people. The Jewish people that were listening to Jesus despised, hated the Romans because the Romans had their whole country in bondage. They oppressed them. They took advantage of them. They killed them. So what does Jesus say to these people? You have to love the Romans. Ouch. Love. The world is constantly talking about love. The hopeful tell us all you need is love, while the cynics say that love is a second-hand emotion. (laughs) The Bible claims that there is another kind of love, the love that Jesus gives to those who follow him. This love is more challenging than any we had previously known. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the love of God, how it differs from the world's love, and how we can attain it. He will be sharing from the book of Luke about the radical life Jesus called his disciples to live, as well as the vast differences between being a Christ follower and being a self-follower. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he begins his message, A Different Love in Action. Let's turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6. Let me preface it just for a moment. We're going through the book of Luke, and Luke has a teaching here in chapter 6. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. It's a shorter version of the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest teaching Jesus ever, ever gave. He has given it to his disciples, so he's given it to you and me, Luke chapter 6. Matthew wrote his gospel to Jewish people. So he included a lot of things about the law and so forth in the Sermon on the Mount. Here, Luke is focused on Gentiles, so he leaves some of that out. But Jesus taught these principles many times during his teaching. They're very powerful. They're for you as a Christian. And as you see them today, I just want to say to you, it's a difficult teaching. It's okay. It's difficult. Because Jesus is going to challenge us big time. One of the things that's difficult is the first thing I want to share with you this morning. You've turned there, if you will, to Luke chapter 6. We'll begin in a moment in verse 27. How many know this morning that life would be a lot easier without people? (laughs) Just turn to your neighbor right now, put your finger right in their face and say this, life would be easier without you, right? Now just come on, come on, here we go, come on. Some of you that are married wanted to say that for so long. There's no question it would be easier, but it would be lonely. You see, God designed you not to be alone. He designed you to be in relationship with God and relationship with people. 
That comes off the great commandment. Love God and love people. So apologize to your friend right now and just say that. Here's what you want to turn to him and say. I need you and you need me. Go ahead. Just come on. Come on. Now, the reason you did that this morning is because of this. Jesus is going to give us seven impossible commands that are all about people in our relationships with them. These commands are a picture of God's heart to us. Remember, these beatitudes, be attitudes, it's doing, but it's all about our attitude as we do things. It's about our heart. Now, they're impossible for a non-believer. A non-believer cannot ever accomplish these. But for a believer, they're very hard, but they're doable. And that's because of this first statement you want to write this morning. You see, when controlled by the Spirit, we can always obey whatever Jesus commands us to do. Without his help, I can do nothing. With it, I can do everything that God asked me to do. So as we go through these, I'm not going to tell you this morning that you're going to do these perfectly. You're not. But this is a challenge because we want to grow and we want to become more like him. We'll have a lot of fun with it, but it will be challenging to all of us. By the way, it's very challenging to me. If I had my druthers, I would skip this whole teaching. And go on to something, you're wonderful people, God loves us all, we're going to be rich at the end of the service, that'd be nice. But since Jesus taught it, hello, I'm going to teach it by his grace and by his power. Now, first thing you have to write, the Beatitudes are about one word, different. So write this down, a follower of Jesus is to be different from the religious people who don't have a personal relationship with God, and the irreligious, the unbelievers. Now, we are not better, never better. We're all equal, but we're to be different. Now, I'm going to give you four ways we're going to be different. Please do not attempt to write them down. I gave them last week, spent about 15 minutes through them. You can find them on our website, calvarycm.com. Anytime all of our notes are there for you that I have every weekend, you can get them. But let's go through them very quickly. If I'm going to be a Christian, then I'm going to have a different way to think. I'm not going to think as a man thinks. I'm going to think as God thinks. And how do I think as God thinks? Well, I think according to the Bible. The Bible is God's mind to you and me. So first way I'm going to be different, I'm going to think about, and you're going to think very differently about these commands today than an unbeliever thinks. Number two, when I think different, I become different. See, there's only two ways to do life. You're either going to follow Christ or you're going to follow yourself. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So you want to follow Christ. Now, to follow Christ, I gave you this, and a lot of you tweeted it and hashtagged it and did all this last week. Do it again on Facebook or whatever. To follow Christ, I have to unfollow me. And you'll see that so clearly in our teaching. Number three, when I become a follower of Christ, not only am I thinking different, am I living different, but I have a very different value system. Here's what you'll discover. Life is not about possessions. You'll see that a lot today. It's not about riches, nothing with all those things. God gives us all these things to enjoy. It's wonderful. But life is simply about people and God 
and how we use our time. So our values will be different, and Jesus will challenge that as we go through. And last, well, you're going to discover that doing these things, we're going to be blessed because life isn't just about here. One day you're going to die, all of us are, and there's two destinations, with God or without God, heaven or hell. And so we look at all of these things that Jesus is giving us, and you're going to have a different perspective, not just for here, but eternal perspective. Now, look at me. This is a hard thing. Jesus knows what he's teaching. He knows what's ahead for his disciples. These Beatitudes are basically this. What Jesus is saying is this. Here's what to expect. Now, Jesus knew that all of us, as Christ followers, would have enemies. People that hate us, abuse us, reject us, sue us, persecute us. So he's going to teach how, how we treat these people. Seven keys, difficult. Verse 27, you're right there. Watch what Jesus teaches. But I tell you who hear me. By the way, can you hear me? Okay, so this is for you. But I tell you who hear me, love your, say it with me. You say, Pastor Mark, say what? Is this the proper translation? Yes, it is. Number one commandment, love your enemies. Now think about this. Who was listening to this teaching? Jewish people. The Jewish people that were listening to Jesus despised, hated the Romans because the Romans had their whole country in bondage. They oppressed them. They took advantage of them. They killed them. So what does Jesus say to these people? You have to love the Romans. Ouch. Now, the word love Love your enemies. In the English language, there's really one word for love, and it's love. In the Greek language, there's four words. Let me give you three of them this morning. We'll start with the bottom. One Greek word for love is eros. It's sexual love. It's physical love. The reason we dedicated these babies this morning, there was some sexual love in a marriage. It was good stuff. Designed by God for one man and one woman. Fantastic. Bring your minds back. Here we go. Number two, <laughs> phileo. Ever hear of town Philadelphia? Town of brotherly love. That's what it's about. Phileo love. In the Bible, it's between friends, affectionate love. Neither one of those are the love Jesus uses. He uses the top one, agape. It simply means God's love. And notice the definition of it. It's selfless. My biggest problem is me. I'm selfish. This is selfless love. It's not thinking about me. It's others-centered. And the key to this love is the last word. It's supernatural. You can't do this on your own. God is the one that gives us the ability to do it. So... As we go through, that is the love that Jesus is talking about. Now, notice what he's saying is, we love our friends, we love our relatives, those kind of things. We love other Christians, but he's saying love our enemies. So Jesus is saying we're to love all people. We're to love ISIS. Our ISIS is like the Romans for the Jewish people. 
Now, you say, well, when you go through that, what, what are you talking about? Well, you'll see. It's very easy. Now, why would Jesus say we're to love all people? Because who did Jesus die for? You got it exactly right. Way to go. So we can't separate people out. Doesn't mean we agree. We, of course, didn't agree with the Romans do. Certainly don't agree with ISIS does. Certainly agree with all that kind of stuff. But understand, that's it. So that's number one. You can see how hard the teaching is. Look at verse 27, 28. But I want to give you this statement before you go. You see, when you think of love, you go like, well, okay, I'll give me a little hug. Love is not an emotion. Love is an act of my will. I'm going to say, okay, God, if you're asking me to love this enemy that I have, person that mistreats me, then I need your help. Because to be honest, I can't do this. It's an act of my will. I will do it if you will help me. Now look at verse 27. Here comes three more of the seven. Do good, no problem with that, to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Here's the three. Do good to those who hate you. Wow. You're driving down the road. Bless those who curse you. Somebody cut you off. They wave with a finger. What are you to do? Bless you, brother. Easy said, difficult to do. Number three, pray for those who mistreat you. So remember, who is our role model? Jesus. He didn't just teach this. He lived it. Do you remember what Jesus' first words were after he was nailed to the cross? Let me read them to you. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive me. He didn't say, Father, judge them, condemn them, get even with them. He said, Father, forgive them. What was he doing? He was praying for his enemies and asking God to forgive them. That's the role model. See, before you were a Christian, do you know what you were to God? An enemy. The Bible says he loved us and died for us before we even knew him. That's our role model. Remember, Jesus loved Judas as much as he loved the other disciples. Jesus loved Pilate who sent him to the cross as much as John the Baptist. Jesus loved the rich young ruler who refused to follow him just as much as he loved Zacchaeus, another rich ruler who did follow him. So notice all these words, do, pray, bless. Here's what you want to write. Love is not only an act of our will, but love is a verb. It's action. It's not just saying something. It's following through. It's an action that we absolutely do with the help of God. Now, when you think about this, how about praying for our enemies. What does praying for people that persecute us look like? I, I want to give you a little illustration. This is how we pray for those who persecute us and aren't for us. God, you know Jim and June. 
and how they're constantly making fun of myself and my wife, Linda. And they don't love you, God. They don't serve you, God. They make fun of us. They think we're really religious idiots. And God, they're just against us, and they spread all kinds of false rumors against us. So God, during the next hurricane season, I ask that the entire roof of their house be blown off. I'm not done with the prayer. Let me finish. God, don't hurt them, but totally destroy their home and possessions in the powerful name of Jesus. Is that right? Uh, No, that is not right. Would you like to do that sometime? (laughs) Say yes. So how would it sound? Here's how it would sound. God, Jim and June make it really difficult for us in this neighborhood. Would you just somehow give us patience? And would you open their eyes to see that what we have is real? And we have peace and joy and purpose, and they don't have it. God, we can't open their eyes. But God, help us to hold our temper and to be thinking and be loving so that they would find peace and purpose. See, that's the way to pray. Now, can I do that in my own? No, I cannot. I have to have God's power. See, as we discover that we're a work in progress, and I need that in my life. Now, look at verse 29. It gets... Very personal. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. I'm going to ask us to practice this. Just get your hand ready. No, not really. Some of you were too quick on the gun, baby, right there. Cut it out. Of course not. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Now, what in the world is Jesus talking about? I'll explain. Number five commandment, difficult. Do not retaliate or get revenge. Is Jesus saying this? If someone attacks you with a baseball bat, let them beat your brains out. Just go ahead and let them do it. Of course not. A slap in the face in those days was an insult to a person. It wasn't a deadly kind of slap. It was an insult. What Jesus is saying is, no, I'm not talking about being physically attacked. He says, I'm I'm not saying a Christ follower should be passive in a mat. Anybody can walk on you. But he's saying you shouldn't return evil for evil. You know, Jesus resisted evil when he turned the tables in the temple. He just said, that isn't right. I'm turning them over. Now, think about what Jesus is saying. He's not talking about not doing self-defense. He's talking about the way we, our attitude is to people who want to, well, you know, slap you on the cheek and make you feel, somebody saw that and say, wow, why does that person think of you? It's okay. It's okay. That's not who I really am. But think about this. Some people take this all wrong. They, they get Christianity weird. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus saying I should turn the other cheek in the case of rape, murder, sexual abuse of a child? Of course not. When you think about that, we have to interpret the words that Jesus is talking about in the context. So Jesus is not against self-defense, but he knows the danger of one thing, revenge. You see, revenge is based on anger and hatred. 
And if I continue with revenge, it will destroy me spiritually, physically, and emotionally. In the natural, I want to get even. But the Bible teaches us God is the end of revenge. He will take care. You have to trust God. It doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be abused or somebody comes in your house and kills one of the kids. Well, I'll just kill the whole family. Of course not. Now look at the second part of that in verse 29. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Wow. If that's true, I'd have nothing left in my house. My garage would be empty. What is number six talking about? Here's the attitude that Jesus is talking about. Remember, we're so good at thinking everything we have is about wealth and security and stuff. Jesus said, no, 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 it's not about that. Here it is, number six, give freely, give generously. Jesus isn't saying we give everything to anybody that asks. Now, that's, here's how that would go. Somebody, I walk out of here today and I'm going downtown and somebody asks for my shirt. I give them my shirt. Then they ask for my pants. I give them my pants and walk around naked for Jesus. No, you'd have to get me out of jail this afternoon. That's stupid. What he's talking about is if we see somebody who has a need, they really need something. Don't hold on to your stuff. There's plenty of poor people around. And sometimes somebody needs a lunch or they need a ride. You have to be very careful with that. It has to be genuinely somebody in need. There's a lot of people that are not genuinely that way. And we'll talk about that in a moment because Jesus addresses it. But see, it's all about not taking advantage, having a light touch of our possessions. Now, in verse 31, we come to something that you're familiar with. And some people wonder where it came from. Look at verse 31. Do to others... As you would have them do to you. This is the golden rule. Here it is, number seven. Do to others as you would have them do to you. He states it in the positive. We should do to others as we would want them to do to us. In other words, reducing to the very simple terms... How would I like to be treated in this circumstance? Let me show you how that works this morning. To do this, you have to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. This is a person that's just abused me or made fun of me. This is me. So I'm going to look at this person over here. How would I want to be treated if I just done that to them? Today, Pastor Mark reminded us of the difference between the life of a Christ follower and that of a self-follower. We learned about the differences between the two value systems, as well as the necessity of having the Holy Spirit indwelling and overflowing us to be able to live the life Jesus requires. We learned that God's love is impossible to do without His power. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. 
Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. On the next portion of Pastor Mark's message, he will continue to examine the objective nature of God's agape love. He will be teaching about the implications for our lives if we choose to follow Christ and live His way. How we will act differently toward people, not just our friends, but our enemies as well. We will learn what the golden rule really means. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.